The Legendarium Podcast is brought to you by, by you. So please visit patreon.com slash legendarium to, to support the show. But for now, welcome to The Legendarium. Nothing happened in this book. So much punching. <laughs> and, you know, Redditors, they were not... Uh, they were not kidding. They said that this would be right up my alley. Oh, yeah. Oh, is- yeah. And lots of space combat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Legendarium Podcast. This is episode 193. And today we are reviewing Golden Sun, the second book in the Red Rising trilogy by Pierce Brown. I am Todd Wente, your host for this episode. And I have with me my two regular stalwart companions, friends who have been with me since I took Olympus by storm at the Institute and then wiped out all competition at the Academy. Wait a minute. I'm confusing myself with someone else. Anyway, I do have my two good friends with me, my stalwart reading companions, Ken, who just returned from a Spartan race, and Megan, who just closed a show. Congratulations to both of you on those wonderful accomplishments. Thank you. Yeah, you guys are... Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> no, I like that. I like that. Howling like this, like Severo and his howlers. That's that's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. Jafu wanted to know my favorite character. It's Severo. Continue. Severo. You okay. Go. You could have told him while I was here in the room. Um, <laughs> we'll go through some housekeeping real quick. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash legendarium is where you can go to support the show. Uh, we also have PayPal, Venmo. If you want to find us those ways, look for legendariumpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and... We have, uh, of course, are on the legendarium.reddit.com. We just passed 1,000 followers on Reddit, so congratulations to all of you. you. Uh, I I think I speak for all of us when I say we are amazed that you continue to follow us and think that we are worthy of your time and attention. So thank you very much. And the more that you abuse Craig, the happier all of us can be. It's it's kind of grown into its own animal now. I don't think, I think it's grown beyond us. (laughs) It's just a bunch of people now. common interests who we facilitated getting them together and now we can just step back and, and russian but bots. why would we want to and, and, I, and, I enjoyed those folks and russian bots who are doing all of the subscribing for us that's right. making us look like we belong someplace else absolutely <laughs> um if you want to reach out to any of us uh directly you can certainly email us at our names at the legendarian podcast.com um, oh my gosh do i have my own email address at the legendarian podcast.com i th- think maybe. you do megan what? have you never maybe you don't no, maybe megan doesn't yet she hasn't activated hers but the rest of us do ken does i do craig does some of the others do yeah. uh, but of course we know that you're really only concerned Ryan. about me and keg me and not. ken and and megan i think kyle does i think kyle does. he might i don't know um and most of us are more regularly on reddit these, these days including me Yay. so uh you know pay attention we're we're engaging um the Red Rising series has been a surprise. I don't know about you guys, but I have really enjoyed this, and I have been looking forward to this for five days. Uh, I finished listening to the book. I was I was actually listening to it, and at one point I looked, and it said that I had four hours left. So I sped it up to two times speed, and I started listening, and I just and I was crushing through stuff, and I got to the very end, and I thought, oh, I still have another two and a half hours, and then it said this ends the narration. I went. What? <laughs> so I finished five days ago and I have been waiting to talk to you guys about this ever since. And then I'm the jerk that doesn't finish until 1 a.m. yesterday. Oh, my well, goodness. Today? 
It, um, well, yeah, no, I, it, sorry, we're, we're recording very us. late. So if it sounds like we're a little distracted, <laughs> we are, we're just, <laughs> we're just a little punchy and late at night. That's all right. It's, it's all fun. It's Ken, all fun. Ken, you have prepared a, a recap for us. Um, this one ought to be right up your corner. Oh my gosh. So, Nothing happened in this book. So much punching. <laughs> and you know, Redditors, they were not, uh, they were not kidding. They said that this would be right up my alley. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And lots, lots of space combat. And oh lots of action. yeah. But all right. Rapid recap time. If your heart beats like a drum and your legs a little wet, it's cause the recaps come to remind you what you get. I love rhyming. <laughs> Time has passed since Darrow stormed Olympus and proved himself to be the equal of the gods. He's now a 20-year-old peerless scarred who's been waiting for two years now to hear from the sons of Ares so he can continue his guiding mission to bring down the society and free the Reds. He and some of his old bandmates, Rogue, Victor, and Tactus, engage in space war games in the name of House Augustus. You remember them. The house of his reckless hot girlfriend and her twin, the guy who cut off his own hand to escape the Reaper's wrath. Don't forget and, he's a cannibal. And he's a cannibal. Yeah. House Bologna is still getting over that whole not dying nicely so that our son could live thing. So that to that end, the insane psychotic older brother of his sworn enemy uses a war game simulation to run Darrow's man of war through killing on more than 800 people. And then he and his cousins beat Darrow senseless for good measure. With Darrow on the bad side of yet another Laurel presentation, Nero Augustus decides to cut loose his former golden boy, which will make it open season on Darrow. And while he's waiting for his fate... He saves the uh, jackal from the sons of Ares who bombed what would have wiped him out and murders dozens. Surely that won't come back to bite him later. Disregard that I read that really weird. There's people outside. Keep There's going, people. Ken. Keep going. People. I'm like, I'm hearing people. <laughs> Meanwhile, with options dwelling, Darrow decides to uh, the only prudent move is to throw society into utter chaos. He drugs Roke. His closest friend slices off Cassie's arm with a razor and exposes... Uh, collusion between House Bologna and the corrupt sovereign, and that's just when the punching warms up. <laughs> <laughs> Darrow and his howlers free House Augustus from the sovereign's captivity and gets Quinn killed in the process. That may be a big deal later. They stay, steal the sovereign's flagship and her grandson. Darrow liberates the whole crew of low colors and gives them autonomy. He gets an obsidian man, man mountain thing on his side, and then Tactus does what Tactus does, and he lays... Uh, he's, he, Goes all tactus and the best laid plans go awry. He steals the grandson back for the sovereign. He shares the rebels' plan. The rebels drive back into the heart of the empire. The empire invades Mars. The Helldiver rides again to take down another traitor to House Augustus. And many of Daryl's friends die in the attempt. And it's an elegant dance of action and reaction and reaction and reaction. And in the end, Daryl comes face to face with the sovereign and a certain death at the hands of the rage of her rage knight, who happens to be Fitchner. Wow, twist. Uh -huh. formerly, formerly the little weenie proctor at the Institute, except he's now actually, <laughs> he's actually Ares, <laughs> like the Ares. He saves Darrow, who has done such a good job at chaos that Nero decides to adopt him into House Augustus, except then it all falls to pieces, or rather it's all ripped to pieces by all of his enemies. The Jackal repays Darrow for that whole life-saving thing by sawing off Ares' head and putting it in a box, and then he does the same to dear old daddy Augustus, Rook betrays Darrow for the being a red in gold's clothing, and the Olympic knight Cassius kidnaps Darrow for the sovereign. And there we go. Whew. So, okay, question time. Who told the jackal about Darrow being no, wait a, a minute, red? Wait a minute. You know what we forgot to do? What did we forget? We forgot to say spoilers at the beginning of this. Oh my gosh, so many spoilers! <laughs> spoilers. Well, if, if a recap's a coming, spoilers are coming with it. It's kind of... 
Kind of like Wyatt Earp in hell. Yeah. Hell's coming with him. <laughs> Nicely so. said. Nicely said. All right. So who told Darrow about being a red or who told the jackal about Darrow being a red? Where is Mustang? Is Dancer really dead? I say no. And do we get to see Neryl and Lauren, his uncle and cousin again in the next book? Perhaps with the sons? I say yes. But what do you say? Let's discuss it. And remember, liars make the best recaps. Hey, I gotta, I gotta admit, as far as as far as predictions, I'm gonna be paying more attention to Megan because she nailed. She totally that nailed prediction. it. That was beautiful. The pregnancy that was beautiful. Yeah. Nice job, Megan. Yeah, and you guys were right. It really didn't end up being. I mean, it was a big deal, and at the same time, like he freaked out for like 20 minutes, and then he changed his whole plans. Yeah, it kind of kicked him into gear a little bit. All of a sudden, it's like, um, he was going well, to his, his kill himself and everyone to, else. Yeah, blow up the party. Yeah. So that it kind of eradicated all of the brain trust and the leadership and, and I don't know, it would have thrown all of civilization into chaos and it would have created a, a serious power vacuum. I personally think it would have been counterproductive what he thought the Sons of Ares wanted, though. And I, that's well, something it, I left it was out Harmony's of my... version of what the Sons of Ares yeah. would have done. And that's something I left out of my recap is Harmony is kind of like taking over. He had like a hostile takeover. The Sons of Ares turned him into a little bit more of a militant thing. Yeah. Um, and then... Aries shows back up and says, no, Daryl, you did a good job. And so maybe, I mean, he was succeeding, succeeding inadvertently. One of the things that's really interesting about this, uh, about this particular book, um, and it, it made me think an awful lot. I think, I think when we get the opportunity at the beginning of next year, because I think that's when we're scheduled to look at Dune, okay. um, we'll find that there's a lot of similar themes that run through this. Uh-huh. Um, it felt very much like, uh, it felt very much like I was reading some of that kind of, uh, of, of writing and some of that kind of storytelling. So uh, lots of fun things as far as, as far as the twists and the betrayals and the and and putting people in place to be able to do things, you think you're doing it for them, but they're really doing it for themselves. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, they're ploys, they're they're pawns in somebody else's plan. I mean, it's it's a it's a very twisted kind of a story, and I don't think we've seen the end of it. Well, and it's interesting that. Um, I mean, obviously, we haven't seen the end of it, but no. the the twists I think are going to keep coming. Yeah, Augustus oh, talks yeah. about how you know the they're trying to have order, which is why. You know, all of the different, um, all of the colors, a lot of people in the colors could do different jobs, but they try to keep it segmented. So these people know what they're doing and they don't rise up. And these people like he's, he's trying to, you know, and, um, that he would kill as many people as he needed to in order to keep the order. I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> so let's so- <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit about the about this book, and let's maybe maybe kind of move through things just a little bit. Okay. Um, uh, first off, I would like to say because I have been dying to say this for five days. Okay. This has been a ripping good yarn, <laughs> and I'm sure that Craig is just going to be rolling his eyes as soon as I say that. But it really has. I know. It, uh, you know, I, I, it's too bad he's not here to actually hear that you know, right <laughs> oh, now. He'll hear it. He'll hear it. I'm sure. I'm <laughs> sure. I'll, I'm sure I've already got a Reddit thing waiting for me. And when I, when we get out of here, um, we the, do, we do need a flare. We need a Reddit flare for ripping good yarn. <laughs> I'm sure somebody's already putting it together. Um, you know, the, the, the way that this story moves, the pacing for this story was absolutely relentless. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I, somebody was talking to me and we were, we were chatting about page turners. This doesn't even qualify as a page turner. 
this is a page thrower yeah. because I was going, <laughs> yeah. I, I was, I just, I couldn't, in fact, there were, there were moments that when it, I listen to mine on my, uh, on my, uh, on my device, mm-hmm. mostly when I'm driving my car, there were days that I parked my car and my wife is looking out at me cause I'm still in the car <laughs> listening. And she's like, are you going to come in or what? And I'm like, shh, shh. There's more to listen to. I'm, I'm busy. <laughs> I just want to get to the end of the chapter and also partway through the next one. Oh my right. goodness. It was just yeah. phenomenal. Of all yeah. the, tw- of all the plot twists that came out, which one surprised you the most? Maybe I, I want to say Roke, but there was really <sighs> foreshadowing about, I mean, uh, several warned him ahead of time that when Roke finds out he's not going to be on your side, he's, he he's gold supremacy through and through. Well, and Roke himself even pride, says yeah. at one point they're they're having this huge debate about whether Victra is able to be trusted because her family's so crappy. And Roke's like, um, have you paid attention to my family? My family totally sucks, and you guys trust me. And, I, and later on, right. I was like, oh, why do they trust him? Yeah, I I loved the the foreshadowing that Roke gives of himself. Mm-hmm. I'm a politico. Uh, when he when he's talking about, have you ever wondered why I got thrown into House Mars? I'm a politico. I'm mm-hmm. not a fighter. Mm-hmm. I'm not any of those. Yeah. Uh, I'm not anything that normally fits into Mars. But my family is devious. Yeah. Um, and I don't think he uses the word devious, but he but he talks about how his family is responsible for all kinds of machinations and moving things in places and poisonings and assassinations and 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 we get this view of him different than maybe we've thought of him in the past. Darrow always sees him as this gentle soul. And I see him as someone who has wheels turning behind his head all the time, mm-hmm. looking for the angles and saying, how can I profit and benefit from this? Right. And I think that's where this whole thing goes south. He's and a I, watcher. He, he is a watcher. And he's... and. And like you said, he's he's gold through and through. He is not he is not about goodness. He is about order. Yeah. And that plays against Darrow. I have I have a hard time finding fault with Roke. I mean, I and I uh, not not saying that you know I he's a you know turned against Darrow obviously, and that I, I guess because of the nature of it's supposed to upset you that cause Darrow's the hero. So it's supposed to upset you that Roke turns against him. And it does, you know, yeah. it does well, a bit, but, yeah. but at the same time, I have a hard time being like, okay, now I hate Roke because it, his was just wrong what he did, you know, and that, um, Yeti, Yeti beats on, on the Reddit. We got great Reddit comments. Yeah, we time, did. By the way, uh, he, he even said, or she, I'm sorry. I don't want to be, Sexist. I don't want to be sexist. Uh, you know, let my privilege show here. But so <laughs> Yeti Beach says says I love to hear everybody's comments on Roke. So I mean, this is good that we're uh, we're talking about about Roke. But uh, but Yeti Beach says that his relationship with Darrow is more interesting to me than any other aside from Mustang. And I would even say that it's more interesting to me than Mustangs. Yeah. I I I think I would have said that right up until been, the revelation. Well, even even then, I mean, they they have been so stalwart, so brother in arms for you know basically the mm-hmm. first book and then i just think the way that darrow handles roke's relationship is is so bad he it's handles so it sad. so sad i mean he he acknowledges multiple times i really need to fix my relationship with roke and oh this is something that could help and he just yeah i think he just has terrible terrible 
social manners and where he, yeah, and he handles Rogue tries it. to tell him, oh, the sovereign's on this planet. And Daryl says, oh, yeah, I already know. And I'm like, why? Why couldn't you just be like, what? That's brand new information. Thanks yeah. for letting me know. That was that was why? lucky. You know, stupid. Yeah, it, it, he just he handles every single chance to fix things with Rogue so poorly. Yeah. And Rogue lets and, him know it, too. Yeah. He says, well, good for him. Friendships take friendships takes minutes to make. Moments to destroy and years to restore, something like that. Something um, and and I and we look back on all of the on all of the turning points, the possible turning points along the line. I, I would love to say the the major turning point was when he when he uh, drugs Rogue and prevents him from being able to attend that gala. Right. Out of an interest, I'm wanting to save Rogue, but because he doesn't kill everybody, it doesn't save him. It removes him from the equation and makes him feel like you don't trust him. Right. But you know what? You look through and those seeds were sown at the Institute. They mm -hmm. were sown through the Academy. Mm -hmm. This was, and, and, and I think Rogue even himself says that was the final betrayal that, yeah. that you didn't trust me enough. Yeah. Um, I would have taken care of you. I yeah. would have done anything for you. Yep. And he Ugh. just kind of treats it like scum. Well, and, and here's, here's the question. Would he? He says he would have, you know, taken care of him. He would have we'll you know, never protected know. you until he finds out that he's a red. We'll never know. Well, and but at the same time, if he, yeah. sorry, I didn't mean to walk over you, Finish but, your but at the same time, if he had been trusted, you know, if he had been, if he hadn't been treated so shabbily and it really is just, I mean, Darrow took him for granted so many times. But if he had actually trusted him, maybe Roke would have come around on the fact that Daryl was a red and seen that, look, reds and golds fundamentally not so different. Maybe. But keep in mind that that move on Daryl's part to start being honest with his gold friends happens about midway through the book when he mm -hmm. starts to realize that because he drove Rogue away, because he didn't trust him, that was the mistake. So he goes to the others that he believes might be easier to forgive him. Right. Keep in mind all the way through, he keeps, uh, or one of the things that I tried to remind myself when I was looking at that is all the way through the book, he says, they're all going to hate me when they find out who I am. Mm -hmm. You know what? Only one of them has hated him so far. Well, two. Yeah. The Jackal and Rogue. And I'm not and, sure we can call Jackal a friend. And that was he didn't tell them. Maybe if he had told them, they might have understood because that would have been another level of trust. They're, um, when they go to... Take down Pliny. Pliny? Pliny. Um, Pliny. Everybody who's with Pliny, you know, shifts alliances to Darrow all of a sudden. And Darrow just has this thought where he says, power doesn't shift. Power is resolute. It is the mountain, not the wind. To shift so easily is to lose trust. And trust is what has kept me alive. Trust in my friends and their trust in me. But he hasn't been putting that much trust into them. And so I, nope. I could yeah. totally understand why Roke would be so devastated. To learn something like just fundamentally changes their whole relationship. Yep. And this whole dynamic. Yep. I, I, I know. In the crummiest of ways. I know we're not really talking predictions yet, but I, I feel like I want to intersperse this prediction in with the rest of the. I just, I feel like Roke doesn't necessarily come around in Morningstar. I don't think that it's mm. not going to be like one of those, oh, and now they're best friends no. and all is forgiven. No. But I could see him doing something where. Like, uh, you know, he, he's he's on team bad guy. He's fulfilling team bad guy's plan against Darrow. And just at the very end, he's like, this this is all gone sideways. I'm out. Yeah. And and maybe does something that 
maybe does something that uh, um, saves Darrow, but not necessarily like turns back to Team Darrow, Team yeah. Good Guy. I, I I think you're right. I think that's a possibility. Um, I I do. I also think that um, I have to admit, as soon as Darrow opens the box and finds Fitchner's head, I had a I had a. It, it felt like I was back reading Oathbringer again with Moash yeah. driving us driving the sword through Elokar. Oh. I was just like, "Are you kidding me?" Do we have another one of these kinds of situations? Um, and part of the reason that it hit me that way was because of some other things that we'll talk about as we as we keep going, I'm sure. Um, okay. uh, one of my other big twists please. that just kind of bashed me alongside the head was the reveal that Fitchner was Ares. Okay. Oh, yeah. That really came out of Whoa, nowhere. That, now I, that I, was I, so great. I feel really bad because what I wanted to do, what I should have done... <laughs> And maybe what I'll do the next time that that we're doing one of these is I, about about midway through. Well, no, about a quarter of the way through, I said to myself, "Okay, Aries is a gold. Aries has to be a gold. Yeah, yeah. there's no way that it makes any sense that it's going to be a gold. But I had the wrong gold. <laughs> Who did, did you, you think? think? I- <laughs> <laughs> Jinx, you owe me a soda. Honestly, I tried to bring you one. I, uh, that's right. I thought it was going to be Octavia Aluna. Oh. That she was that she was sowing dissension among all of the sons of Mars, so that she could oh. throw out Augustus because she knew that Augustus was already um, getting too much power, becoming too popular, and and I and I felt like it was just absolutely put together because Darrow was saying, and she was going to kill all of House Augustus. I'm sitting mm-hmm. there and I'm saying, so the sovereign- she's got to be backing all of this airy stuff yeah. and that's why it started to spread throughout the rest of the systems because ah. she had that kind of reach blah 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 and then sure. we find out it's fitchner that's of all people of, of all people that so is the random. weirdest yeah How that's the weirdest fitchner red know to come about out of, darrow of, like the, i guess it's his uncle the weirdest would've... gold to come out of uh, from what? from anywhere you know that was so left field that <laughs> you know he's but, trying so hard not to let darrow get killed in that moment but at, at the same oh. time, I mean, his backstory kind of explains it, you know, a gold in love with a red. And that was kind of alluded to earlier, too, about uh, I, don't, I don't remember what the, the different class or the different colors that were that modified to, to be able to. Uh, to the violets, I want to say. I thought it was an obsidian of some kind. But... Anyway. Anyway, but that, that brings up another question that, that I had that I thought was interesting. It's not just a simply matter of of these different groups of humans have been put into different colors. The colors are actually anatomically different. Yeah. They've yeah. been modified to be different. Maybe not. An, well, maybe not anatomically in all or cases, fi- but certainly genetically. Anat- anatomically, but physiologically and, yeah. and genetically different. Yep. I mean, reds, they are different species. Reds and golds, for example. I yeah. mean, she had to, they had to be carved in order to be able to mate. Yes. They, yeah. you know, they yeah. are not bio- bio- logically. I can speak. biologically compatible. Right yeah. anymore. Right, there's there's a there's a really interesting um, at, at least for me there was a really interesting parallel of of this of this experience running through where Fitchner starts talking about the fact that he was in love with someone that was treated badly by the Golds and I'm starting to and and as I was reading that I was like okay so if Fitchner has access to all of the technology that he does he can see everything makes perfect sense why it would be that he would choose that he would choose Darrow because Darrow was as similar as possible. His wife had been killed because of 
the golds oh. abusing all of these kinds of situations. Right. He see he saw in Darrow, and Darrow even mentions it. He saw in in Fitchner uh, a, a kind of a kind of mentor, a mm-hmm. kind of a kind of guide through all of those kinds of processes. Um, Fitchner saw in him someone that he could lead, someone that he could. Kind but, of kindred spirit. But isn't this interesting? Fitchner has all of those things going on, but he had a son that he could have trained and groomed to become the next Ares. He doesn't do it. He goes outside of his family and finds somebody expendable. I'm wondering if that's going to cause some kind of a rift between Severo and Darrow at some point along the line. I don't know if there was a prediction that I was going to make um, about this. It's going to be that Darrow and Severo finally find themselves coming at odds and that only one of the two of them can survive the entire process. If, if that happens, I'm putting my money on Severo because he's a child of both worlds. And they, they kind of hinted at that, that he's both a gold and a red. Right. In fact, Darrow, I think himself says, what a perfect person to lead some of these kinds of things because he is a child of both worlds. I don't sure. know if that's I mean, right. He's a symbol. Yep. I don't know if I don't know if that's going to be right. Um, but I but I wonder. And and it seemed like this is being set up so that it could. But again, you know, there were some other things that were set up that that didn't materialize along the way so yeah well it's interesting thinking about Severo and I think back to the first book where he's the one that knows about the passage and he's got all of these really random skills that are very suited to surviving in the institute and uh like he's the one that's able to start fire and like sleep in the woods and nobody else really like they all just kind of look at him like who is this guy this is all so very (laughs) odd right where's Um, Severo he's off in the bushes yeah he killed a wolf wearing a wolf skin now you know what sleeping the, in a horse oh the howlers um, are so much fun and they're ta- so great and tactus he likes that he's like i've slept in a how in a horse with Severo. You know. I, <laughs> I don't know what you call that bosom buddies horse horse um, horse i can't think of a friend for go there. Okay. that's just that's just, going just, in dark just yeah. people direction. um but yeah you you have several who Fitchner very much, I like to think that he groomed Severo to make sure that he would survive. But at the same time, Severo, I think I said in in the previous episode, he's kind of the poor white trash of the golds. Like he's gold, but that's about all he's got going for him. He's not tall. He's not good looking. He's not (laughs) pleasant to be around, you know, (laughs) what so many of these other golds are groomed to be. And then you have Darrow who was born a red and spent all this time as a red and then was kind of groomed to be a gold, but in his heart is not a gold. But I don't know. Cause I, I think, I think I'm with you where I could see that Darrow would, I don't know, not survive the end of the series. And then Sarah will somehow have to, but I, I really hope that there isn't a break in their friendship because it just seems so fundamental to both of them that they're, they're two people who kind of understand each other or at least, respect each other and appreciate each other for who they are. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's that's something that Darrow desperately needs, especially since he's gone home and realized he can't go home. Should like, we, he would not be. Should we talk about that moment? Yeah. A little bit? I thought that was a cute moment. I mean, I... Oh, Ken goes with cute. It okay. Was, it was cute. Oh, I he went goes, heartbreaking. He goes home to his mom, and his mom recognizes him, and it... Who hasn't experienced that 
moment also, by the way, where it's like you, you go home, you've been away for years and you come home, you're grown up now, you've seen the world and, and you go back to where you grew up and it's small, it's small. It's, it's not just small physically. It's just, it's small. It's narrow. It just, it, you've grown past it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you can still see the things that you love. You know, you can see that the, the, you have the memories that you've made and you still hold on to those memories and you relish them. But at the same time, you go, this isn't me anymore. This isn't my life anymore. And I think he kind of gets that. I mean, he sees his mom and yeah. but it's he also, sees the hardships and stuff. It, it, to me, it was a little bit heartbreaking and very sad because he's looking at everything and he thinks, how was I afraid of ugly Dan? How was, yeah. how, when was I so small? When was I so weak that I was afraid of this man? And he looks at the slimy guy who's in charge who's just trying to you know get in with the gold and he's just a terrible person and he he just he knows he doesn't belong there but he also realizes it taints his memories where he thinks about how like he's he's been putting eo on this pedestal where i'm doing all of this for her and i'm trying to be this man that she wanted me to be and he's still trying to do that but he remembers that she wasn't perfect all the time either. Like yeah. sometimes she was manipulative and yeah. stuff. And he, he starts thinking about those things too, which just makes it sad. It, it, it pulls back to, Ooh, I wonder if I could find it, but a conversation that he has with Roke right before he, um, uh, stabs Roke with the sleepy juice and Roke misses <laughs> the whole, juice. um, what revolution beginning. Yeah. Can I find it. Can I find it? says oh roke tells a story about um homing pigeons and how they grow up together and then they're sold on the same day and they spend all this time apart and they finally find each other um says they were always destined to return home and find instead of the past their future because because home isn't where you're from it's where you find light when all grows dark um i loved that phrase and Daryl has to go and realize that his home is not in the past and he has to find a new one in the future. But he just completely botches it. And then even like Roke, who has had this conversation with him and his trust ends up being so broken, just totally takes away anything that Daryl could count on by the end of the book. So uh, it seems it seems to me like all of us have have looked at this scene and we've seen different things in it. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I highlighted... And I'm sure that I'm sure that everyone that is listening to this has been waiting for this moment for me to turn into the boob that I am. And so, <laughs> you know, stand by, pull out the Kleenex because we're probably going to need him. Um, it's uh, it's when he's he's gone into the, he's he's gone and he's taken off the ghost cloak and mm-hmm. he's allowed his mom to see him. And she says, it's you. Uh, she says softly, as though I will disappear like a night vision. It's you. Her voice is different, slurred. You know me. How could I not? Her smile is twisted. Her eyelids sluggish. Life has been less kind to her than me. She's had a stroke. It breaks me to see her body fail her. I know I wasn't there for her. To know her heart was broken. I would know you anywhere. She kisses my forehead. My boy. You're my Darrow. That's a cute line. So I'm, <laughs> I'm listening to this and, I'm, and, I'm, and I park my car and I turn off my key, and I think I am just fine. And I started to sob uncontrollably. Um, now, part of it's probably, well, granted, 
all of it is me. Um, but part of it is also the situation that I was going through just a little while before. Um, I had had a, I had had the opportunity to go up with my parents whom I haven't seen in about a year. Um, and I saw him up at a, up at the Canyon. And as we were leaving, my mom would not let me go. And she just wanted to hold on to me and make me stay. And she said, can't you stay one more day? I mean, it was one of those typical things that you see in the movies. And it's like, come on, mom, it's not that big a deal. I'm just going to work. I'm going to see you in a couple of days. It's not a big deal. Um, but that was the look that she had on her face. You're my boy and you've grown and you've changed, but you're my boy. And I'm, and I'm driving away like, yeah, I'm your boy. It's okay. It's not a big deal. And then I, and I thought I was just fine. And I read that and I see my own life in it and it just absolutely shattered me. For me, not only was this a, uh, one, one piece of some of the level three stuff that, that runs through this book, and maybe we'll get a chance to talk about that a little bit, but it also was really interesting. Um, Pierce has, Pierce has been a, a fairly good writer on doing two things really interestingly. The first one is writing in first person. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't often find books that are written in first person really satisfying. I'm, I'm the same way. And present tense. That makes me crazy most of the time. Yeah. First person, present tense. They're hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I, while, while I understand and in a short story format, I love it. I'll eat it up all day long because it works. Mm-hmm. Um, because your short story, you're, you're compressing time and you're, you're telling a very small sliver of reality and it's easy to do that and it's easy to do it well. The longer this goes, the longer the time period goes where you're always in the present and there's little bits of foreshadowing, but that foreshadowing is done in such a, he does a wonderful job of telling things in the first person and in the present tense. Very subtle. Yep. But the other thing that he's done well, that he's done well throughout all of these books is all of the, (laughs) all of the punching, all of the level one stuff he's really good at. He moves the story. I mentioned before Mm -hmm. the pacing on this. I feel like he's done really well. He doesn't do a lot of level three stuff. This book, he wove some of it in early Mm -hmm. by starting to talk about family. What does it mean to have family? What does it mean to have friends? What does it mean to have trust? Who does he trust? And then he gets to this moment where all of that just breaks free. And it's like the floodgates open, at least for me, the floodgates opened. And I felt like this was really the first time that scene, that segment was really the first time that Daryl was recognizing this is a human issue. This is not just about upending a society. This is not just about righting wrongs. These, this is a human issue and people are involved in all of this. And then he goes from that moment of revelation and realization to Mustang. When, when his heart is broken again, not only can he not go home, but the home he was hoping for will not exist. Mm-hmm. And, and that struggle for all of us to find a place that we can call home, a place that fills our hearts with light, that fills our lives with light in spite of the darkness of the world, that search is such a huge level three piece for me in literature. And Pierce did a beautiful job with this. 
And it was surprising to me because so much of this book is on level one. So much of the first book was level two. Mm -hmm. It was it was social commentary. It was political commentary. Um, so much of this book has been level one. It's just moving through all of these things with hints at what he'd learned before, but not an awful lot spent on level three. I really loved this moment because it was a very satisfying level three moment for he, me. He does a, a pretty good job, I thought, of weaving in some level two and level three stuff, particularly with Augustus at the end. I mean, it's, I think we will have to talk about Augustus, right? I yeah, mean, yeah, I hope so. In fact, we got a, we got a couple of, of Reddit comments about it. Uh, Roxilla. Oh, I can think, I, can I just it. say one more thing about yeah, this, yeah. about this conversation with um, his mother and then leading into Mustang. It's very yeah. interesting seeing the difference between these two women. Yeah. Um, and you know, his oh, mother yeah. sees him as a gold and has this realization says, where have you been? And I love that. Um, uh, moment that you read the piece that you read from the book where he talks about how he's devastated that he hasn't been there with her for all of her hard times and you think about yeah he's been through some pretty rough times as well yeah um but you have this woman who had a stroke and like one of her sons has died and her husband died and she's basically taking care of the family on her own and and then you have mustang who's also had a really rough time and has a really crappy dad, but they have such different views on life and she just mm -hmm. cannot accept him for who he is. And it, it just, I, I, that was the first time that I really didn't like Mustang where I was like, you are so privileged. Mustang yeah. sees him How as dare a, you? Mustang sees him as a red. Mm -hmm. His mom sees him as a gold. Mm -hmm. He has no place. Nope. Yeah. Okay. So talk to us about our Reddit yeah, comments. Yeah, Roxilla, what does she say? Or he. Or I, he. I, I think she, She's a she. I don't know. I don't remember. Roxilla, feel but, free to tell us in Reddit whether or not you're male us. or yeah, female. We, if you choose, and if you yeah. don't, you can well, put other. We should come up with a well, pronoun. Not not just not just Roxilla. What, what do they say? But <laughs> Rowan Kenobi, who uh, is is currently my favorite redditor because he agreed with me. Ugh. In, yeah, in the uh, uh, in the Mistborn or in the. You know, Sanderson thread about going on to Wax and Wayne series. What's, Definitely. oh, okay. I was going to say, what's yeah. the opposite of keeping a grudge? Because how long ago did you talk about that? But I remember that conversation. Anyway, continue. I love uh, that. But he, he, <laughs> he points out there's so much level three buried in there. And his question, if you had to pick a central theme so far, what would it be? Are you disappointed in this? I'm just going to read all of these now because they're all, I mean, he throws so many questions from Rowan Kenobi cool. and from Jafu. And from Bruxilla and from Yeti Beats. I mean, I was waiting. Donkey Hody eighty one. It's I, I love our redditors. They're so they're pretty cool. great. They're they're pretty great. So, um, <laughs> he wants to know if you are you disappointed in the sci fi? Is there um, a tech? Are you disappointed that we never get to another viewpoint? We were talking about that the first person. I think the first person narration didn't actually bother me in this one. So. Um, I think at this point, if they change the point of view, it's just going to be really jarring and obnoxious. Yeah. There's there's no point to it at this point. And if it does change, I feel like if it changed it, the point of view in the narration, it'll just mean that it's because Daryl has died or is going to die. Yeah, yeah. And here, Rowan Kenobi brings up the contrast between Daryl's mom asking what happens if you win and Augustus explaining why he does what he does in order to save humanity. And Augustus, Ugh. I I have a hard time feeling bad for the fact that he is dead. And I get, mm. I, I get that he believes in what he is doing, but that doesn't mean what he is doing is right. You know, right? A, or good. A lot of evil people 
have believed that what they were doing was necessary for humankind. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to leave that statement alone. A lot of good people have also thought the same thing. A lot of good people have done some really horrible things yeah. throughout history because they believed it was for the the good of society. So we we have Machiavelli I I I made a I made quite a quite a study of Machiavelli from the time that I was 16 until I was older. Um, we're going to leave it at that. Is anyone surprised? No. Okay. We're leaving it at that. Okay. Wow. Thank I'm just you. Kidding. I'm very, I'm very, <laughs> I'm chuffed at that. I really am. Chuffed. I'm sorry. I'm chuffed. Um, oh, anyway, I, any I, of I our European or British Continue. listeners will love that. I'm sure. But, but Augustus, let's, I, I, um, Augustus and Machiavelli. Continue. Augustus, Augustus is a, uh, for me at least a study in what Machiavellianism would be if we pushed it to its logical and absurd extreme. Everything is about what is best for society from his perspective. And that's the goal. When Machiavelli was writing The Prince, he was writing it as an encouragement to someone to take control of the government. Because if someone strong didn't take control, it would be destroyed from within. And Mm -hmm. both Luna, uh, Luna Octavia, and Augustus, have shown mag and Darrow mm-hmm. have shown magnificent Machiavellian traits. Um, the the scary thing for us is that because we're being told this story from Darrow's point of view, it's very easy to empathize with it. Well, yeah, especially right. since he seems to feel badly about it. Like the eight hundred and thirty three non golds are killed in that last battle in the academy and he's horrified by it and everybody else is like oh no golds died so good job their lives to him yeah and 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 he's starting to at the beginning of the book he was struggling with that a little bit Mm -hmm. as he moves through the book he really takes on some things when he when he looks at ragnarok and makes ragnarok a friend not a slave ragnar yeah or ragnar (laughs) ragnarok sorry is that right i don't know Although, although Ragnar, that's a great name because I mean the obsidians were were grown Norse. on Norse mythology. Yeah. So the oh. fact that he's named it Ragnar is And I just great. got done watching Thor Ragnarok again, so I'm sure that's where it's coming from. Sorry about that. Which is excellent. That's all right. But it was a fun fun movie. I'm maybe, not sorry. I maybe we'll it. talk about it. But yeah. uh, Darrow as he's moving through this, um I and, and I and I totally agree that there was some weaving of some level three stuff early, but he didn't Pierce didn't spend a lot of time with it until we get to that scene at the end. And mm-hmm. it was a great payoff for some, for some, uh, for some gentle weaving done earlier on. I, I, yeah. I just think it's so interesting that Augustus thinks that he's the one that should do it. But I'll I mean, you- Octavia also thinks that she's the one. Um, and that's, that's the interesting thing. I think coming around from what I was saying at the very beginning, when I totally lost my train of thought where uh, you have a, a, Anytime you have a, well, all people are different and all people feel like their feelings and their actions are justified. And when you have a free will society, which they're trying to squash, um, you run into the risk of people doing terrible things. Like you can't control everybody because everybody has their own thing that they're going to do. And it's justify the means and all that. Yeah. Trying not to say that, but yes, exactly. But it's exactly what it is. Yeah. Before we leave the before we leave the comment about um, family and about the nature of family, can I bring one more piece into this that I that was also pretty devastating to me? Oh sure. Um, and it's at the very end of the book. It's when um, Augustus says, 
Um, you you killed my son. You killed my boy. Mm. Oh yeah. And the jackal so says, sad. "I was your son. I was your boy. I was boy. a good son. I I loved you. I feared you." Yep. This this issue of family and of how those family dynamics work really really powerful drivers in all of this. While while Augustus sees himself driving society, mm-hmm. what really drives everyone else is this feeling of family and of belonging. Yeah. Yeah. It's not about crafting the society, it's about feeling like you belong. And what a powerful driver it is and what what depths of depravity it can drive us to when we feel like we don't aren't being recognized and aren't being rewarded appropriately for it. Yeah. Powerful stuff. While we're right here, let's, uh, let's continue on with, with this. If we can Thanks. Yeah, please. Thanks to Yeti beats. He has another comment about, or she dang it has another comment about Augustus. (laughs) There's some great level three stuff that needs to be brought up. What a great villain, but there's the, but do you rank the Jackal above him? I'm thinking maybe there's depth to his father, but hot damn, do I love to hate the Jackal? (laughs) <laughs> and so really, I mean, who's who's the worst villain? Who's the more defined villain? I who uh who has more cause, I guess, to be evil? I don't know if I I feel like I feel like Augustus is more inherently if if we were doing, you know, the the Dungeons and Dragons alignment scale, I I feel like Augustus is more evil. Chaotic evil, more chaotic evil, and I feel like, I feel like the jackal is more chaotic neutral, trending toward chaotic evil. I mean, because he's clearly, he wants, he wants. It almost feels like he wants the same thing that Darrow does, only he's got a more hit it with a hammer way of dealing with it. It's like we're going to destroy the top in order to change things, but then it just becomes a, now I'm going to get Darrow, and it's it's always been about Darrow for yeah, him. Yeah, well, and but. even Mustang talks about how um, the Jackal, like, he he seems to want power, but he doesn't know what he'd do with it if he had it. He feels, and he, yeah. he's also, it's very selfish. Augustus really, I, I get the sense that he really does feel like he's doing the right thing, and the Jackal just kind of wants to mess with everyone so i like your evil chaos theory he 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 feels like his guiding star is his massive massive inferiority complex dad yeah dad never appreciated me i'm gonna show him darrow never took me seriously i'm gonna show him well but at the same time the jackal is the one that suggests that darrow be adopted like he's he's just setting up all these pieces just to throw everyone off He's, so no one ever suspects. Yep, he's he's moving all these things, and now here the he worst. is. Here he is in in league with Cassius, who is because also it, the worst. Because it makes sense in moving his plan forward, Machiavellian through and through. Well, and, yeah, and I I want to know. Cassius says you killed my entire family. How could you kill all the children? And Daryl's like, I uh, don't like, know what you're talking what are you about. Talking about? So, which makes which leads me to believe it's it's all the jackal. Yep. By the way, I mean the jackal. He he went to House Bologna and said, "Hey, kill my older brother, so that I'm the good son." Hey, 
Cassius. Let's get, let's team up on Darrow. You know, it's all, everything that the Jackal does is to further the ends for the Jackal. Well, and he's also, he's also messing with all of the other colors in adjusting the media. Yeah. And deciding what stories get out there and what they learn. By by the way, he, I I hate him so much specifically because he is everything that is wrong with the media. I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to air all of my media dirty laundry here. I let's just suffice it to say, because Ken has plenty of media dirty laundry to air. And it's not like, it's not like, Ooh, Ooh. this is who's doing this. I just, I, I left media after 17 years satisfied that I was leaving media and having no regret and not looking back. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Okay. And so, then he and, finds himself on a podcast, which is, podcasting by the way, is all the fun of radio without the, all of the, all of the, the stuff that made stuff it not fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I buy it. I get Podcasting's it. great. Yeah. We, and we love our listeners. So um, anyway, I think, I think the Jackal is worse than Augustus, but I don't think Augustus by any means is good. I'm not sure. And, and the reason that I'm not well, sure. Well, we'll never know now. Oh, darn it. <laughs> oh, I'm sure Pierce is going to give us his his take. I hope so. Um, but, I, but I'm not sure. And and let me tell you why. Um, I, th- I think that the Jackal is being set up to be an imitation of what happens when, uh, when, when you are taught too well how to be this cruel. Mm-hmm. Um, you remember yeah. the you remember the story that uh, that uh, Arcos tells Darrow about who Augustus really is. Oh yeah, that his, his first, first wife. wife he cut off her head, stuffed her mouth with grapes, sent yeah. the head back to the family, right. and then had them all killed. Remember that, right? Yeah, that's all personal. There's and and while Augustus believes that he's doing that because it's going to be or has deluded himself into believing that he's doing that because it needs to be done mm-hmm. to help solidify society, to help make sure that things run smoothly, to make sure that we don't ever disappear from the universe. Yeah. The reality is, is that in that moment, all of those kinds of things are inherently personal. And oh, yes, he taught his son to, well yeah. because... That's exactly the message that Darrow sends by sending Fitchner's head, a member of the family, stuffed mm-hmm. with grapes to him right before he destroys everything that he has built up his life. So when you when you turn around and you ask the question, which one is which one is worse? I'm not sure yet because I think that I think that the jackal is a reflection of the of the viciousness of Augustus without the um, self-imposed delusion that he's doing it just for the good of humanity. Ah. Now, in that case, do we say, would, would I be inclined to say somebody who's deluded themselves into believing that the the cruelness that they inflict upon other people is for the good of ent- a society entirely versus someone who's enlightened enough to say, no, I'm just doing it because I'm a jerk. Um, yeah, okay, now we've got a really interesting comparison going on. I'm not sure that that's where this really goes, though. I'm not sure. Um, I'm hoping that Pierce may explore this a little bit, and here's how I hope it's going to be explored. I hope it's going to be explored when Darrow gets to meet Luna Octavia again, or Octavia L. Luna, because she and Augustus are mirror images of each other 
in the way that they see themselves causing tremendous damage and wreaking extreme havoc because they believe it's for the good of humankind to keep humankind in place. And keep in mind, Octavia Aluna killed her father. Right. Right. Just as the jackal has now killed his. I think what we're seeing is a... In all fairness, this is a beautiful, beautiful modern sci-fi version of the War of the Roses back in... Back in the, uh, I can see that in, in the uh, in in uh, Renaissance, uh, late Middle Ages, early Renaissance, yeah, uh, yeah. European flavor. I was gonna say, uh, do do you guys? I don't know how familiar you guys are with the the Song of Ice and Fire series, but do you feel a lot of comparisons? Yes, here with the the Song of Ice and Fire as well. I mean, I, I see so many character comparisons. This guy's this guy. This guy's this guy. As we go along, I'm like, oh. Interesting. Ugh, and Tiny I is totally Peter. And but... I and I don't I don't think that that's not saying. Oh, Scott Brown or, or Pierce Brown read uh, read a Song of Ice and Fire, and he took all of this and he no. copied. And that's not at all it. It's just it, it's it's simply the fact that as you read science fiction or you read fantasy, you get to see, you know, this, the same kind of archetypes. And yes, well, you could possibly look yes. at our current politics and kind of think similar things. Hey. Yes, you could. Yes, yeah. you could. And and I don't think that that is that's something that that allows these books, even if they are not directly trying to give us level two and level three pieces of information, they allow us to take some of these lessons and apply them to ourselves in very mm-hmm. level two and level three ways. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's part of why I've always liked that that distinction, you know, level one, level two, level three, just because it's level one doesn't mean it can't have some real good lessons and, and insights for level two and level three yeah. behaviors as we move forward. Yeah, sure. So Agreed. let's shift one more, one more gear. Okay. Uh, Cause I know that we're, we've, we've been going for a while and I want to make sure we talk about this. Um, what do you guys think about the sci-fi elements? That's where I this? wanted to go. I was like, yeah. let's get in, let's get into the candy. Let's, that's what <laughs> that's what this is. Let's 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 talk about this. What we, what pieces did you find on this that were more satisfying from a sci-fi element than maybe in Red Rising? I, I want to ask this question also, and we can talk talk both because we got several people that mentioned this on Reddit, and I thought the same thing is how much does the sci-fi? This was specifically for you, Todd. I'm by sure the way. it was. How much does the sci-fi or does the the science drive the fiction? And how much of this is a space opera? Yeah. How much of this is, is, is fantasy in space? And how much is it actually science fiction? Because it doesn't feel like there's a lot of hard science fiction simply because there's not a lot, a lot of explanation of the science uh, of the science and technology, which personally I'm fine with. Mm-hmm. I, I mentioned it in Red Rising. I like yeah. the fact that they throw out tech. They throw out all of this uh, stuff without explanation just expect you to keep up i'm cool with that because yeah because why not but it basically makes the science a a magic system i i've been thinking about this an awful lot and and i'll I'll, we'll come back and talk about the about the entertainment value of the of the science fiction pieces that are that are in this because there are some pretty some pretty amazing entertainment features oh yeah with all of this stuff um but there is there is a piece of science that drives this fiction, and we talked about it earlier. It's the genetic differences mm-hmm. and the genetic right. engineering that's been done to the races. We don't really get we 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 learn a couple of things 
as we're going through this. One of them is that each of the races are bred in particular ways and have been crafted in particular ways by the golds Mm -hmm. to fit a purpose within the society. And that while, you know, and, and I think we have a, I'm trying to remember who it is. I think it was, I think it was Fitchner talks about the fact that, yeah, you know, you might have a red that could drive a starship and you might have a blue that can do the, is it Augustus? Okay. I couldn't remember. Um, tells you how much attention I pay to anything that Augustus says, um, or said before he was beheaded. Um, I read that section like four times. (laughs) Um, the, 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 the message that's being sent is if you won't conform, we'll force you to, yeah. and we'll do it through a way that you cannot fight. We'll do it through your genetics. And anytime we start talking about genetic manipulation, uh, about any kind of eugenics programs, then, then we start to get into a really interesting thing about what happens when you have a master race that has been crafted specifically because or specifically to do things quite frankly i don't think the golds are the master race yeah the golds have the golds have uh you remember one of the things that he says uh about the obsidians that they convinced the obsidians that they were no longer men but that they were created by the golds and the golds set themselves up as their gods. Well, precisely right. because the obsidians were the only ones who had ever tried to rise up against the golds. Because the obsidians knew that they are stronger mm-hmm. than the golds. And Ragnar proves that an obsidian can lead just like a gold. Yeah. Can think and have free will. Yeah. And yeah. so you have all you 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 have this really fascinating um, genetic structure, genetic program, eugenics program that is put into place that suddenly the entire system buys into mm-hmm. for the most part. Mm-hmm. And it's a few that come out of it that say, no, I'm not really sure about it. The question is, what's different about those people that causes them to do that? Is it the mixing of the gold and red in Severo and in Darrow that allow them to do that? Is it because Darrow started as a red and was carved to be a gold? Or is it Severo recognizing that he comes from two worlds and there's something different about the way that happens. I don't know. So you, I don't know. Um, but I'm, I'm saying that that piece of the science, that piece of science is driving, is very much driving this fiction. Sure. Right. I, I think part of it is, um, Darrow, all that he has learned in seeing that people are not just one thing. Yes. Um, that it, that, drives him to put trust in people who otherwise would not have the opportunities that they have. I think about Orion, the blue. Yes. That, uh, he chooses to lead a ship and that's something that everybody is horrified by or was to Orion, give, was Orion a, a male or female? Female. Female. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But then he gives Ragnar a razor. Which is oh, huge, yeah. no, no. Which is yeah, that um, you have broken the law, dude. all right? sorts of things up because he trusts him and sees that there there are these options, and he um, storms the first ship, which I can't think of what it's called right now. Where he meets Ragnar for the first time and says, "Hey, I'm not going to flush this ship. Uh, if you all want to get rid of the golds, I am willing to I'm willing see to what open I can do the for you." Arms lockers to... and have Adam. Yeah. I don't remember what the ship was called, but he calls it the Pax, which is afterwards. Awesome. Yeah, for right. Pax, so. the flagship. 
so other than that, mm-hmm. I mean, that piece of this that piece of science I think is driving this fiction. Yeah. But it's pretty subtle. As far as the rest of the science fiction, yeah, we're talking about space opera. We're talking about fantasy. It, it really is. It's it's very He's soft stuck in and... the mud in a spacesuit, so how does he get out? Yeah. I, I Which, will say I, that was fantastic. That was so cool. I, yeah, I I will say that that his execution of all of this technology is really fascinating. The idea and it's consistent. Yeah, it is. The idea of the I and I have to I have to admit, real guns don't surprise me. Pulse fists don't surprise me. Aegis shields, yeah, okay, I've seen that before. Razors, uh-huh. razors are wicked. I want one. <laughs> I want a razor almost as bad as I want a lightsaber, and I have wanted a lightsaber since I was seven years old. Well, stop doing the math, anybody out there. Stop doing the math. <laughs> um, but but I really, I really, <laughs> I was eight. Um, I was eight years old uh, before I before, when 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 lightsabers were introduced to our conscious to our public consciousness. I I would want a razor almost as bad as I want a lightsaber. Lorna Lorna uh, Lorna Arcos made me feel old in this book simply because, you know, Darrow shows up, he's trying to recruit his old uh, sword master, his old razor master and say, Hey, come with us and stuff. And uh, he's got his, he's got his razor wrapped mm-hmm. around his arm, like all the fashionable kids these yep. days. And Lauren points out to him, he's like, you're going to cut your arm off. That's <laughs> stupid. And I thought the exact same yep. thing the first time that he wrapped his razor around his arm. I thought, that doesn't seem safe. All but it I takes love... is somebody pushing a button and you're going to lose an arm, dude. <laughs> I love that Lauren has lived to be such a great age. Like he's he's lived to be older than 100, right? I want to say that's true. Uh, but he has like there, yeah. he has this group of warriors with him that come with him who are all 60 and older and Daryl just keeps talking about this frame of reference from being a red where they don't get old. His uncle is like 35 yeah. and that's so crazy right. weird. And dancers like 40 and that's so old. But you the, have yeah. these. He comes from a world where people get married at 13 and 16 because they don't live much longer than that. Yeah. So yeah. You're you're a grown up now. Yeah. And Octavia is pretty dang old and she should have died a while ago, but she's not. And so everybody's freaking out because. Yeah. That's that's why most of the younger generations tend to tolerate their elders because they know that at some point the elders will die and they'll get to be in charge but that's not the case with octavia so far yeah i i know we're we're running short on time but i want to go back to rowan kenobi's first question is what is the central theme and i i think when we're talking about the difference in the classes i think the central theme of this is that you're not tied down by by what is expected of you you know what I mean? You're not tied. Mm-hmm. You're not tied down. Nobody in society basically is tied down by where you start. I, I, I think is the point that, that or shouldn't be or, or like shouldn't that. shouldn't be in this case. Yeah, you are. Reds are reds. Reds do this. Obsidians do this. Violets mm-hmm. do this, you know, and stuff. But here Darrow is shattering the expectation. He's shattering the convention and he's telling the others to do the same thing. He's telling the other low colors you know, rise up basically. Right. Well, and he's also changing himself, like his own mental paradigm. I think about Tactus and his story with Tactus in both of these novels where in the, in a red rising, um, Tactus tries to rape somebody. And so he says, okay, well, we're going to, we're going to whip you because shame on you. That is not okay. 
And then he lets and Tactus try gonna, to whip him. Now you're and then in this, in this one, Tactus completely betrays him with Lysander and returns Lysander to the uh, to Octavia, the right. Um And Daryl's still willing to forgive him and says, you know, what if I forgive you? And not Lorne. you can come back. Right. Not Lorne. But still, you have Daryl who has just been treated so abominably by this person. And, you know, and we look at how he has been betrayed by his friends as well. But here he is trying to change something where golds are really hard. Golds don't forgive, you know, once a terrible person, always it. But no, I want to forgive you. Yeah. You can you can rise up. You can be a better person than you are yeah you don't you're not you don't have to be stagnant you don't have to be just one thing even within a color you don't have to be just one thing and that theme that idea if if that is the central theme and i'm not sure that it is um i i think it i think it is a theme that certainly weaves through this entire story and and is certainly one that can be defended um i i think that has lots of ramifications yes it speaks to society yes it speaks to the individual Mm -hmm. um but it also speaks to relationships uh and it leaves the possibility that maybe um rogue and uh rogue and daryl can restore some kind of a relationship um maybe rogan or maybe mustang and daryl can find a way to get together don't know I think that along with that, um, my my personal and I've touched on this a little bit. Um, the central theme is is trust. Yeah. Um, what do you do? You know, who do you trust and why do you trust them? It's not just it's not just who you trust, but it's why you trust. Um, Darrow doesn't trust. Darrow doesn't. And, and Darrow has not been shown how to trust. Fitchner didn't trust him with who he was. Dancer didn't trust um, Harmony didn't trust no. all of the people around him. He has been used. He's been a he's been a pawn. He's been a tool. So do I blame him? Do I fault him for having some major trust issues? Not at all. But am I surprised by it? Again, not at all. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's trying to grow beyond those. If if this goes back to that sure. that idea of you know maybe that people can change. Well, he, he certainly tries to trust, and he tries to get people to change. I mean, he trusts Tactus. Yep. Even though he shouldn't, he trusts Victra, even though she's shown that, that she's not trustworthy, but then she proves that she is. She's the most trustworthy. Yeah. I know. The most transparent and the most trustworthy he of trusts all of the his jackal. Powers. Big shouldn't have. He trusts, well, and I was going to say he trusts Roke, but he doesn't. And that's the one he probably should have. Yeah. I don't know. So. That's the question. Yeah. He I th- trusts him, but he doesn't let him in. Yeah. There's it's, something about Roke that he keeps at arm's length it's uh, weird and, and, and i think we're going to find out what that is um i'm i'm anxious to find out i have a i have a we we probably are at a point now where we need to make some predictions yeah i was going to oh. say it, it's it's prediction time for yeah. three here here are the two questions i want to know okay it's like what give me give me one thing that happens i, I you're the moderator but i'm gonna i'm gonna <laughs> but i'm taking I'm, you notice that ken's kind of taking over this I'm hostile, the conversation. I'm hostile taking over here because wow. i because i want questions now that craig's not here i can do this i've got my razor i'll take care of you there later. you go okay so <laughs> oh dear so what one one thing that happens and this is another question uh on reddit who survives who survives book three um and oh and and does do any of the bad guys 
turn I, I specifically I think Roke you know does anybody come mm. around does anybody come back around I don't think Roke does necessarily but I think I think there's a reconciliation but not a mending and I think Roke dies okay so Ken you've just made your prediction there's my prediction Megan I don't know I think Daryl's gonna die which makes me really mad but I <laughs> I predict that he does and I blame you, Todd, for planting that into my brain. <laughs> well, but at some point, we're going to flip over to Severo's point of view, and he's going to die. I think um, that's interesting because it could happen because this is a, a trilogy, well, and, and I, then the next trilogy. And I think starts. that um, Darrow's home, the the home Lycos. in Mars. I think I think that colony is going to not going to survive. Ooh. Wow! Yeah, nice. I think something's going to happen wow. there. You're dire. Um, I know. As far as a revelation, I think we're going to find out that Rogue's family is more closely tied to Octavia Aluna than we currently understand, um, and that that is part of why Rogue is a gold, is a gold, is a gold, is a gold. I think we're gonna, mm-hmm. I think we're gonna find that there is some kind of an alliance or a connection, and that that is why he was convinced he would be able to protect. Uh, Darrow, because he was going to bring him into the service of Octavia Aluna. I think there's a connection between Rogue and uh, and Octavia Aluna that is much stronger than we are currently led to believe. That's him, and I, that's, I, oh, that's yeah. really cool. And it's very. I can see how plausible that is. It's oh, plausible. It's probably yeah. wrong because everybody that's ever watched and know. followed any of our podcasts Every. knows that I am always wrong. I am, our, I am always just a little bit. It sounds good, and I'm wrong. It's our podcast guarantee. All predictions wrong or your money back. <laughs> as far as... So true. As far as <laughs> who survives, I'm sticking by my guns. I think Severo comes out on top. Mm-hmm. I think Severo winds up, I think... Severo I, and Mustang. I think, I think so. I think they form an alliance. I, I think that... I mean, if I wanted to play this really dramatic, I think Darrow dies in Mustang's arms, and Mustang says, I forgive you. <laughs> And Severo Ugh. says, and Severo says, well, the two of us can make a better society for all of for for all of humankind. So many vomiting sounds right now. Severo and Mustang Ugh. get together. Oh, oh no, twist. they don't. They do not get together. No. They Ew. do not get together. They just form an alliance, but they would never get together. Mustang would Mustang would eat him. Severo marries Orion. Oh, Jackal would eat him. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> All right. Um, but I, but I think that we're going to find uh, there. If there's one other prediction that I would make, it is that the Jackal survives just long enough to get killed by Aja. Ooh. Huh. Aja. Huh? All right. I think that I think that Octavia Aluna is going to take care of the Jackal because she sees him as a problem. As a thorn in her side, and he's been, she's well, been allowing yeah. him to get to this point so that she can take him off the board. After because well, her takes goal this whole time has been to get rid of that House family. Augustus. Yep, and so I think that he's going to be played, and Aja is going to take him out. Interesting. Well, folks, that's uh, that's pretty much the end of of this book. We're going to be finishing uh, with Morning Morning Star, Morning right? Star. Yeah, Morning Star in two weeks. Uh, in the meantime, uh, I, is it uh, is it the Lies of Locke Lamora book two? It's uh, the uh, well, the Lies of Locke Lamora is book one, and then Red Red Seas Under Red Skies, I think, is what it's called. It's the it's book two of the Gentleman Bastard series. There we go. Uh, Craig Ryan and Kyle are. So, doing that one so that one is that one's uh, coming up next that one's coming up next uh on episode 194 of the of uh the legendarium yeah. 
Um, and we'll see you on episode 195 in two weeks. Thank you for your time. And, and again, I should have done this at the very beginning. Uh, we apologize to those of you who may have been looking for this two days ago. Uh, it took us a little while to make sure that we could get everybody together, but we didn't want to do this without any of our of our blue team panel. Blue team! Blue um, team! Blue team, go! Speaking of which, if uh, I know this has been buried pretty deep in the episode, but if you've had any ideas, any further ideas on what you think we ought to name our team and maybe the other team as well, keep those ideas coming. I think we found a couple of good ones. Um, we'll we'll probably start getting a little closer when we get when we get a couple of three or four really good ones. Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll do another one of those. Uh, hey, vote on vote on what name you think it is, and we'll as see. long as it's not. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, but, but at the I, end I'm of the day, I'm still partial to Megrific Team Go. So Megrific, Megrific Team Megrific Go. Team Go. Did you not read that one? I made me smile. I, I blocked that one from my <laughs> mind. In the same way that somebody that that did Toddy McTodd face or whatever it was, it's I was fantastic. Like, yeah. Everyone, fantacular. Uh, no, I'm not sure we're gonna go there. Anyway, guys, have a magnificent time. Uh, go forth and conquer. We'll see you next time on the Legendarium. See you later. Bye.